Good morning and welcome back. It's eight minutes past the hour. This is the Faith Radio Network. Could your sins or the sins of your boss cause your company to fail? It's certainly possible. Joining us to dive into this topic is Bill English, the founder of BibleandBusiness.com. Bill, looking really sharp today, man. You look great. Hey, thanks, you know. And and your T-shirt is looking good, too, today, Thank you. I have to admit. That, you know, that's the magic of radio. I can pretty much uh, come to work in a T-shirt and nobody knows. But now that you've told thousands of people, thanks, Bill. Hey, by the way, are, are you still in your pajama bottoms? That's what I no, want to know. No, I'm not. I have Levi's on. Thank oh, you very much. Good for much. you. Good for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. I really should be dressing up because it is Easter week. So I think I, I think on Good Friday I will come with a suit and tie like you, and I'll, I'll look really there you spiffy, go. ready for church. There you hey, go. Hey, I, I know uh, we have uh, some radio, some faith radio listeners who are new to the Christian faith. And some maybe who have never made the decision to follow Christ. So um, let me just start by asking you a, a basic definition, because you've been really wrote this great article about sin and being in bondage to sin. What what is sin, and and how do so many people end up uh, being enslaved by sin, Bill? So the traditional definition of sin is someone who misses the mark, but I don't think that's very helpful. So I like to conceptualize sin as a perversion of that which is good or righteous. Uh, I can't think of a sin that we can commit that isn't a perversion or an evil aspect of a righteous act. So that's how I define sin. It's the perversion of something which is evil. So for example, um, adultery is sin, but the act of marriage in and of itself is not sin. Uh, Perhaps uh, telling a lie is sin, but not all deception is sin, because sometimes we deceive each other in sports and and war and things like that. So uh, usually sin is a perversion of that which is good. Something that's uh, positive that God has created, has ordained, uh, and yet uh, Satan has twisted in some way. And we see this in all aspects of our life. Uh, And he really is the the great deceiver, uh, prowling around like a hungry lion, waiting to devour us, and and taking something again. That's I'm, I'm even just thinking of technology, Bill. I'm sure you've weighed on the weighed in on this before. Here we have, if you look at mobile technology, if you look at social networking, uh, this incredible ability that we have now to connect with others um, around the world, any any day, any time, wherever we are, with our mobile device, and yet. And yet Satan has taken that and, and twisted it. We have, uh, we have Internet pornography. We have people becoming addicted to, uh, to social networking. We have issues with self-esteem caused by, um, you know, people who are just so uh, addicted to, to Facebook and, and now even teenage girls who are depressed because they don't measure up to their friends. So Satan can take any good thing and, and really wreak havoc on us by twisting it and, and making it sinful. Um, and you know, you wrote this wonderful piece. I know you're working on this book, uh, a manuscript on, on this topic. Uh, and I, I want to read this because you put it exceedingly well. You say, while every person on the face of this earth struggles with sin in one way or another, there exists the characteristics of low impulse control and a pattern of repeating the same sin or sins over and over when a person is under the bondage of sin. Hence, to be in bondage to sin means that we find ourselves unable to control our impulses toward one or more particularly sins 
And then after sinning, we find ourselves confessing and repenting, rinse and repeat, all the while knowing that we'll likely do it again. That is a, that's a terrible place to be, Bill. And it's a place that almost all of us have been at one time or another, if we're to be honest and transparent with those, uh, with, with others within the body of Christ. It is a terrible place to be. It is a place of bondage. It's a place of secrecy. One of the ways that you get out of bondage is to uh, not be secret about it. And uh, it, it's, it's just a horrible, horrible place to be. Um, what are some of the sins that um, people tend to become enslaved to? Uh, I, you think of sexual sin. You think of uh, you know things like uh, alcohol and drug abuse. But I think there probably are others that we may not even, they may not be on our radar screen, but they still cause us to be uh, in bondage. It, it doesn't matter. You you can name any sin and you can be in bondage to it. There isn't one, there isn't a, a, a particular group of sins that uh, more easily lends themselves to bondage than any others, in my opinion, because what Satan does is that he figures out where your, where your proclivities are and he just takes you that direction. So some people would be in bondage to greed. Some people are in bondage to power. Some people are, and, and, and by the way, you find that power bondage in uh, evangelical circles a lot, especially in nonprofit leadership and in uh, church leadership. Uh, no, say it isn't so, Bill. Okay, it isn't so. <laughs> it's not so, Bill. <laughs> no, I know you, you've you've consulted organizations and you have experienced that firsthand. And isn't that tragic that we have uh, Christian leaders that are in bondage to the sin of power and and are perhaps arrogant. And and feel like, you know, they rule their little corner of the parachurch world. And boy, that can destroy an organization, can't it? It really can. And uh, I, what I my personal experience is that the larger the church, the more likely it is you're, you're to find that power model uh, and that sin of power um, at, at the upper echelons of that organization. But it can be any sin can become bondage. It really isn't about the sin per se. It's about the bondage. And what the bondage does <clears throat> is that it gives Satan a foothold in our businesses. So as you know, I write with, uh, with a view to uh, figuring out what the Bible has to say about running a business. And what I try to do is I try to start with biblical concepts and principles and then apply them to American business rather than building the bridge from the other side of the river. And so bondage gives Satan a foothold into our businesses and into our organizations. And as a result of that, the problems that result from that are often seen as business problems when really what they should be seen as is a spiritual and personality problems on the part of the owner. We're going to unpack that with Bill in just a bit. If you are a business owner, if you're in leadership in a business or in a church or a parachurch organization, I know you'll appreciate what Bill has to say. By the way, his website, BibleInBusiness.com, to read more about some of the things we're talking about in Bill's upcoming book. We'll take a quick break and be right back on the Faith Radio Network. Welcome back. 18 minutes past the hour. I'm Bill Meyer. This is the Faith Radio Network. My guest this morning, the sharp-dressed man, 
Bill English of BibleandBusiness.com. Need some ZZ Top music there in women, the background. Women always like a sharp-dressed man, don't That's they? That's right, and you do look sharp today. <laughs> Bill, before... <laughs> Before the break, sorry, I'm sorry. About that. that just hit me. they hit my funny bone. I, yeah, I'm sure. I mean, you got to start growing a beard like uh, one of those guys there in ZZ Top. Oh, you hey. know, I mentioned that to my wife, and she said, "Absolutely not. No way. Uh, I can't do that. No, I can't do. It. Can't go there. <laughs> nope. Now, before the break, you mentioned something really important uh, that uh, a company, even a big company or a church for that matter, can suffer if its leader or its owner is involved in some type of ongoing sin. And yet, oftentimes, that's not recognized. Um, people see it as some kind of a organizational problem or product problem or distribution problem, uh, something to do with the org chart. Explain how uh, that actually happens, and, and perhaps you even know of a, of a situation where it's happened with a, a company you've consulted. Well, uh, yeah, so the... The way that it happens is that usually highly talented people end up at the top of the heap in organizations. It's just how things work. But highly talented people tend to also uh, have um, proclivities that uh, would be sometimes contrary to what the organization stands for. I have seen on more than one occasion where an organization's board or the either the board of directors or the nonprofit board have looked the other way. Uh, regarding a person, a leader's sin because of all of the perceived goodness that that leader brought to the organization. Now, this is more fully explained in a book called Snakes in Suits. It's not a Christian book, but it's an interesting book to read about how the pathologies um, of of uh, people who are on the fast track to upper management uh, uh, display themselves as they're going up the ladder. Yikes. So, Snakes in suits. Yeah, it's actually written by a psychologist. You know, you you know, it's one of our group here. And uh, what they found was they, they did a study of 200 people who were on the fast track to upper management in corporate America. And they found that the rates of, uh, of not sociology, I can't think of the word, not pathology, but some kind of uh, antisocial behavior, the rates of that antisocial behavior were st- statistically significantly higher in that population than in the general population. Gotta love those sociopaths working there in the corporate office. Sociopath, uh, thank you. <laughs> oh my so, gracious, that's so, scary. So you look at you look at um, uh, a leader. I, I I I'll tell you about one. Here's a leader of a very large organization, probably has three or four thousand uh, employees, and this leader is uh, just a power over controlling, micromanaging type of person to the point where uh, he is abusive. And he is um, uh, just verbally and emotionally rude to people behind closed doors. But you get him out in public, and he's just the nicest, sweetest, kindest, gentlest guy you'll ever meet. Kind of a Jekyll Hyde type person. So while the staff suffers in silence because they are committed to what the what the uh, business is about, uh, the masses who see this individual, you know, sometimes in public think that he's just, you know, the greatest thing since sliced bread. And uh, that kind of sin uh, is is the kind that just leaves a wake of human debris behind him. And so uh, when when uh, I, I understand that this person left the organization, and when they did, uh, there was such a leadership vacuum that the organization really had a hard time with it. Plus, hmm. all of the cycles... All of the wasted energy that the organization went through accommodating this guy's pathology and this guy's sin. 
think about all the stuff that they went through for well over 10 years while they led the organization. It, it, it's really sad. It's really sad to see organizations spend that much energy accommodating one guy uh, when they could have been spending it doing other more productive things. And that really speaks to the importance of strong board members, not only strong yeah. in the sense of helping the organization succeed, but strong in character. Uh, board members that have the the gravitas to say to that leader, stop it. You're you're hurting people. Get some help or or you're out of here. And, and of course, it takes more than one board member because uh, that board member can be easily replaced. It takes a, a group of uh, highly dedicated men and women who are willing to say if this if our leader is acting outside of godly principles and is involved in in sin even you know this the sin of arrogance uh, that you were talking about there it needs to be addressed uh bill i know we're going to unpack this in in future weeks but you quote a critical section of scripture in your article on business and sin ephesians 4:28 what does that passage say and how can we apply its teaching to our lives and, and to our business? So the thumbnail is this. Uh, Ephesians 4.28 says, Let him who stole steal no more, but rather let him work with his hands so that he may have something to give to somebody else. And in that, you have the entire continuum going from being in bondage to sin to being free from sin. And we'll have to unpack this maybe next Wednesday. But the idea is, is that a person who is in bondage to sin is the one who's stealing. Just because you stop stealing, let him steal no more. Just because you stop stealing doesn't mean that you're free. You have victory over the sin, but you're not free. You're only free when you're actually giving something away that you've produced with your own hands. And I would contend that Christianity is about finding freedom from sin rather than just victory, white-knuckle victory over sin. And I think that there is a huge opportunity for the church to really help uh, uh, business owners and uh, the laity in general find freedom in Christ by reconceptualizing how we view that continuum from bondage to freedom. Mm, Beautiful. That's Ephesians 4.28. You can find more about this issue at bibleandbusiness.com, Bill's website. Bill English, thanks so much for your time today. May the Lord bless you and, and have a happy Easter this weekend. You too. Have a good day. 25 past the hour. It's the Faith Radio Network.